All right. Um, so, almost every year on my birthday, my mom loves to have a particular conversation with me. And this is how the conversation goes. It can be in person or over the phone, but around my birthday, she'll call me up or she'll see me and she'll say, so I just turned 35 in October, so she'll say, Anthony, 35 years ago, there I was, in the middle of the night, and I just feel you just starting to claw your way out of me. And then I had to go to the hospital. And then she knows how many hours, and she's like, and it was like eight hours of labor, and I was just pushing the whole time, and just, she just lets me have it, like on my birthday every day, like, like this is what happened when you were, and then she does the same thing to all my siblings. She knows all of our birth stories, and every birthday, she loves to just kind of let us know exactly how much pain and suffering it took to birth us into the world, okay? And so I think it's valid. It was obviously pretty traumatizing for her, so I just let her do her thing. And so uh, moms, they, they just have an uncanny ability to remember all of our origins really well. They know things that we don't know about our origins. They know things that we could never know. They remember things that we've forgotten. Moms know a lot about our origins. And this is why I love the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke. If you go to the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke, you get these stories that surround Jesus' birth and Jesus' birth story itself. And to me, as I read the opening chapters of Luke, it's, it's almost like the author, Luke, went up to Mary and just said, hey, tell me about the whole Jesus birth thing. Like, tell me about it. Now, theologians and academics will probably tell you their lives never overlapped. He was too far, too, uh, she was probably dead by the time he was writing the, the book of Luke. But I, I like to imagine that maybe Luke got a chance to talk to Mary or someone close to Mary, and he, and he essentially just gets to say to Mary, Mary, tell me. Tell me about the birth of Jesus. What was that like? And I can just imagine Mary being like my mom. Oh, let me tell you. I will definitely tell you. I will happily tell you all of these details about the birth of of Jesus. In in fact, even it says at the end of these uh, birth stories in Luke... Uh, that Mary remembered these things and treasured these things in her heart and remembered them. And so I think, I, I personally think maybe Luke did get a chance to talk to Mary. And so here's what we're going to do. This, it's the Advent season. Technically, it's week two of Advent. That's why we've got, we've got two uh, candles lit. The Advent season is a season that the church celebrates it's every year. It's part of the church calendar. And it's, it's a season every year where we celebrate the arrival of God in the flesh. And so the Advent series that we're going to be in this year is called The Christmas Story from Mary's Perspective. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks in this Advent series is look at some of the more Mary-heavy passages uh, about Jesus' birth and see what, what is the Christmas story from Mary's perspective. How would she tell us the things about Jesus' birth, birth and the, the events surrounding Jesus' birth? And so we're going to take a few weeks and just kind of look at the Christmas story from Mary's perspective. We're going to be, I think, mostly, if, if not all, in the Gospel of Luke because you just really see the Mary-heavy perspective there. And then as we're going through the Christmas story from Mary's perspective, really the goal for us will be to, to see God and his arrival to earth and, and all the things that that means for us uh, in, in these passages. And so, so 
that's what we're going to be doing the next few, few weeks, the Christmas story from Mary's perspective. Um, today, we're going to start off with the birth announcement. Essentially, an angel comes up to Mary and talks to Mary about the birth of Jesus. We're going to be in that story. So here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to be in that passage. We're going to have a fun little story time together at the beginning of the sermon. But then after we're out of that passage, what I want to do is I want us to imagine as if we were asking Mary about this story, what are some of the things she would remember to tell us, right? Just like my mom remembers to tell me the suffering she experienced, I think there are things that Mary would remember to tell us about this birth announcement. And so I think there's four things that that we'll go through that Mary would just remember to tell us. And they're details that are in the text here. But I think that there's ways Mary would say it and she would even elaborate for us if we got to the chance to sit down with her and be like, tell us about the birth of Jesus. So, so that's what we're going to do. Go through the story together and then look at four things Mary would remember to tell us from her perspective about the birth story. So let's hop into it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in verses uh, 26 and or 26 through 38, but we're going to kind of break it up as we go along. So, um, so let's start, let's read verses 26 and 27 to kind of start us off to get the characters and the settings of today's true story. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so here, let's just look at the setting and the, the characters that we have today. The setting is Nazareth. What we know about Nazareth from the Bible, and I think even other texts, Nazareth is just like a podunk backwoods town in Israel. I don't think they got woods in Israel, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it, it is an unknown, unprominent town in Israel. It's just this town that even we have different portions of Scripture where people are making fun of Nazareth. So that's the setting. This Nazareth is a place no one wants to move to, okay? Then we've got our two characters. First character on the scene is Gabriel, an angel. We see Gabriel at another point at the resurrection. So we have Gabriel, the angel, here. And then we have Mary. And we learn that Mary is a a young woman. Uh, She's betrothed to be married. She's engaged to be married. We don't know how old she is. You know, it kind of creeps me out. Sometimes pastors and theologians, academics want to be like, she was 12 because they were young then. I'm just like, dude, we don't know her age, okay? Why are you like being weird about it? And so she could have been really young. Um, we, don't, we don't know. Honestly, there's a, there's a wide range of age that people would get married back then too. And so, uh, so we have this young woman married. She's betrothed to a man named Joseph who is in the lineage of King David, who we just spent a lot of weeks talking about. So that, that's where we're at in the story. We've got, it's in Nazareth. We've got Gabriel. We've got Mary. Let's, uh, let's see what happens next in the story. I'm going to read verses 28 through 33. It says this, the angel went to her, to Mary, and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to his son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now you're wondering why maybe I'm doing a weird voice for Gabriel Angel there, but he just comes across as socially awkward to me here, okay? 
I don't know where Mary was. I love to imagine, was she taking out the trash? And then all of a sudden, Gabriel's like, what's up? Right, right? Like, and you can even see in his greetings, it's almost like he's like, hello, human. I am here to deliver a message. Like, he's just a weirdo, okay? And so I think that's probably how he talked. And I think he probably seemed a little bit more angely, right? Like, uh, sometimes in the Bible, you get angels that just, like, look like people, and you're, they, they, they're kind of like, oh, you're just like a person like me. And then sometimes you get angels that look like the things of our nightmares, if you read Ezekiel, right? Like eyes on wheels and all this kind of stuff. And so, I don't know, I think Gabriel was somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I think he was some kind of, I think he seemed angel-y, because Mary's out taking out the trash, and he's like, greetings, oh favored one. And she's like, you're not human. Like, what? What is going on? She's really troubled by, by what he's saying. And so she's like, what's, what's going on? And he goes, listen, I've got great news. You're highly favored by God. You're going to get pregnant. And you're going to have the Son of God. He's going to be the Son of the Most High. You're going to name him Jesus. It's, it's going to be great. And I love Mary's response. I think you can kind of see a bit of her personality in verse 34. He's like, he's going to be the everlasting king. He's going to be awesome. And then this is what Mary says. Uh, uh, how, how will this be? Mary answered, since I'm a virgin. And I just love this. We know that Mary's at least been to a sex ed class at this point, right? She's like, she's like listen, uh, uh, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to take out the trash, and you're like, uh, how is this going to happen, Gabriel? Like, she's starting to get scared. Like, she's like, what, how is, uh, the things I know that need to take place for me to have a baby have not taken place, okay? So what are we going to, how is this, how is this going to work? And so Gabriel, the, the awkward angel, says this to her in verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Okay, so she goes, okay, how is this going to work? And, and Gabriel responds back, hey, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to, to impregnate you. The Holy Spirit's going to make it possible for you to be pregnant while still being a virgin. And, and God's doing all kinds of crazy work. Your, your relative, cousin Elizabeth, remember she couldn't get pregnant? She's pregnant right now, six months. Like, and and he's, just like, he's just excited about all these things that God is doing. He's like, this is, this is amazing. He's going to be son of God. Like, this is what God has been up to. And I, again, I love Mary response, verse 38, to, to Gabriel. She says this, I'm, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. It's almost like when Gabriel says all this to her, she's like, uh, if, all right, if you say so, man. <laughs> like, if you say so, sure. Like, I, I, okay, I, I trust God. If, if that's what God's going to do, uh, May that be what happens. You kind of see Mary is not as enthusiastic about this situation as Gabriel, Gabriel is, okay? And so, uh, so that's kind of the first passage that we're in for this Advent season, looking at the Christmas story uh, from Mary's perspective. And I think that if, if we had a chance to sit down with Mary and say, okay, Mary, tell us about the birth story. Tell us about the birth announcement. We heard you talk to an angel. Like, what was that like? I think there's four things that she would highlight to us to make sure we knew uh, uh, about this birth announcement. And here's the first thing. I think she would say this. 
I think she would say, God did this. This pregnancy, the birth of Jesus, this was part of his plan. God did this. Right? You know she was out there telling everybody that would believe her that she didn't get pregnant pre-marriage from some other guy. In her culture, that was very much a taboo where she could have been punished in all sorts of ways because of uh, her Jewish faith and the kind of different things they had set up in that. And so you know she was out there telling people as soon as she started showing, like, this is from God. Like, God is doing this. I didn't choose this. God is doing this. This is God's plan. I, I, could, I could even just hear, like, ask my sister. I never go out, okay? I never go out. I promise. Like, God did this. But I think she also would retell it that way and say, this was part of God's plan. Because I think she herself, as the mother of Jesus, would be amazed at what God was doing. She'd be going, like, this was God's plan all, all along. Her and the rest of Israel were in this time where they were in exile, where they were, being, uh, they were under the rule of, of Rome. And they had been under the rule of different uh, authorities and government authorities for the last 400 years or so. And they, they, as a people, began to go, is God really our God? Is the God of Israel really here? Has he abandoned us? What is he up to? They would like hearken back to the prophecies they hear in Isaiah about God restoring them as a people and restoring them in all kinds of ways. And Mary and Israel would be going, what's his plan? What's God's plan? And I think many years later, Mary would tell us this was part of his plan. This was part of his plan to bring about this restoration of all things. He was going to do it through a baby that I was going to birth. God was going to arrive to earth in the flesh through a baby, a weak, seemingly insignificant baby. And this baby is the Son of God that's going to be upholding God's promises to Israel and bringing that restoration. I think that's what she, she would make sure that we knew. That this pregnancy that she had was God's work. And this was how God's plans were coming about to, to live out his promises to his people. All right, the, the next thing that I think Mary would make sure to tell us is I think she would say, he came to Nazareth. Gabriel came to Nazareth. I was hanging out in Nazareth. He came to Nazareth. I think she would definitely make sure to tell us that because of Nazareth's reputation in that day. The God of the universe sent an angel to proclaim the climatic moment in history, or really the climatic life in history, to and through a woman that lived in Nazareth. Right? God, God didn't need a, someone from a Roman capital. God didn't need someone famous. God didn't need to bring someone from some prominent place. He went to a backwoods town that other Israelites made fun of. A small town that was not well known. I think the, the fact that God uses a woman from Nazareth shows us certainly the power of God. But I think it also shows us the values of God. 
uh, at Redemption, we have these different cultural statements we say uh, to kind of say, hey, this is what we want to embody as a people. And so one of those things you see when you walk in, all of life is all for Jesus. But another one of our cultural statements is there are no little people and no little places. And that's because of these kinds of moments we see in Scripture. God sees the Nazareths of the world. God uses the Nazareths of the world. God sees the Marys of the world. God uses the Marys of the world. For God, there are no little people and no little places. The Advent story reminds us of that. Which, if you find yourself looking down on certain people, certain people groups, or certain places, I would just remind you of your identity in Christ, identity as part of the people of God, that that's not what God does. He doesn't look down on places. To God, there's no little people and no little places. And so I definitely think Mary would have been going, he came to Nazareth, of all places. He came to Nazareth. He met me in Nazareth. He used me, a a gal from Nazareth, I think she, she would say. All right, the third thing that I could see Mary just having to tell us, if we're, like, if we're like, hey, tell us about this birth story, I think she would have told us, hey, the, Gabriel told me what to name him. Gabriel told me what to name him. They, he told me to name him Jesus. I didn't pick this name. Gabriel said, you're going to name him Jesus. And I was like, okay. And, and I think she would make sure to tell us the story behind that name choice. In Hebrew, the name, uh, Jesus' name, so what Gabriel was actually saying to Mary uh, was probably Yeshua, is the name Yeshua. So we say Jesus because Jesus is the English translation of the Greek version of Jesus. So Yeshua got turned into like Iesus or something like that in Greek, and then from there we turned it into Jesus. Okay, but if we did a straight from uh, basically Hebrew to English, Yeshua into English uh, is Joshua. Okay, I, so I just want to point out that all of us are worshiping a guy from the Middle East named Josh. Okay, so <laughs> I just want to point that out. But this is the name, this is the name that Gabriel tells uh, Mary to name him, Yeshua, Josh. And she says, you got to name him this. And he gives a couple other titles. He says he's going to be son of the Most High. His other title is going to be son of God. And so he he really just bakes into uh, Mary's mind all of the identity uh, that Jesus is going to have. But this name Jesus, why I'm focusing on it and why I think Mary would have focused on it is because Yeshua had a meaning in Hebrew. You know the Hebrews, they love to have meanings with their names. Everybody's name meant something. In our culture, we just pick sounds we like, all right? Or like our grandpa's name or something. But in their culture, they picked names that had a lot of meaning. And Yeshua or Joshua or Jesus had a meaning. It meant this, Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh the name of God in the Old Testament. When Moses was at the burning bush, he's like, okay, I'm going go to go to Pharaoh. Who, who's sending me? Yahweh. Yahweh is who sent Moses. Yahweh is the name that God gives himself in the Old Testament. And Jesus' name means Yahweh is salvation. I've heard some people just even shorten it to salvation. Like it just means salvation. And so I think Mary would have definitely been 
clued into that. I think that would have been very significant for Mary because I think what Gabriel was communicating to Mary was this son that was to be born, he is the salvation that her and her people have been waiting for. The salvation from the oppressors that they've been under. Her people, the Jewish people in that time, they knew that this world and themselves needed salvation. A lot of them were focused mostly on getting salvation from their Roman oppressors. But they still had a deep and rich history of knowing they needed salvation from sin and death itself. And when Gabriel tells Mary his name is going to be salvation, his name is Yahweh, is salvation, what she is getting clued in on there is that salvation was coming in the flesh. God's salvation for his people was coming in the flesh, in a promised son, the son of the most high, the son of God. And so I just think it's important. I think Mary would definitely be telling us, Jesus, do you know what Jesus' name means? It means Yahweh is salvation. His name does not mean... Uh, Obeying the rules is salvation. His name does not mean living out your dreams is salvation. His name does not mean figuring out life is salvation. His name does not mean love is salvation. His name means he, Yahweh, is salvation. God himself is our salvation. The Christmas story is a story about God saying, no, I'm your salvation. God does the saving and renewing work we need. And God himself is the salvation we need. You are being rescued by God and to God. And his son bears a name that reflects that. The Advent story reminds us that Jesus' name is salvation. He is the salvation. He is the salvation. And Mary definitely would have told us the story behind that name choice. All right, the last thing, the last thing that I think Mary would say in her telling of, uh, of the story of her encounter with Gabriel, I think, I think she would say something like, and I, I, just, I just chose to trust him. I just chose to trust him. If you remember how the story ends, and we kind of already noticed it, Mary was not very enthusiastic. Like, and that's not just my take on it. Like Other people read it and go, we're not seeing a super enthusiastic Mary, because especially in next week's passage that Rand's going to teach for us, we're going to see... Her enthusiasm eventually comes about. But she doesn't, she's not as enthusiastic about it as Gabriel. But yet she chooses to trust. Her life is about to drastically change. It's going to get harder because she's going to be pregnant. It's going to get harder because she's going to be pregnant before she's supposed to in her culture. Her marriage could get canceled, which meant all sorts of poverty and problems for her. She could be harmed by the religious leaders because of it. God has put this huge task on her when Gabriel is saying these things to her. And Gabriel the whole time, he's like sugarcoating it in flowery language, which is true. All the things Gabriel is saying is absolutely true. But you can see why Mary was apprehensive about it all. She's like, what? Okay. Am I pregnant right now? Like, what? It's like, when I go back to my room, like, how is this? Like, this is, there's, this is a lot, Gabriel. Like, that's what I would have said. But she doesn't rebel. She doesn't complain. She essentially goes, all right. Let God use me that way. I hope it happens how you, how you said. May it happen, like you said. 
I can imagine like years later, someone going up to Mary and being like, Mary, how did you react when Gabriel said all that to you? And I can remember, I, I can imagine her response being like, well, I, I just, I chose to trust God. I, I don't know if I wanted to. And I was really scared and I was unsure about what was going to happen. But I, I just, I chose to trust God even though my heart was scared and unsure. I feel like she would tell us that. And I, I love what we get to see about Mary's faith here. Mary has a trusting faith. A trusting faith is a faith that I personally, that I can get behind. Here's what I mean. I think God is often inviting us to trust him rather than work up some sort of strong willpower faith. And that's good news to me and my scared, distrusting soul. That God's not saying, Anthony, you just need to have the strong willpower of faith. I think a lot of times God is just saying, will you just trust me? Will you take my hand? Mary helps us to see what all of our relationships with God look like at some point. Some of you have the gift of faith. So this is not as, as, as much something you deal with. But most of us, at some point in our life, it, that becomes tough. And I love that the God of the Bible that we see is a God that's inviting us into a trusting faith where we entrust ourselves to God, not build up some false, fake, external-looking, strong, willpower faith. Following Jesus is a practice in trusting God. Living like Jesus is a trust in God's vision for what it means to be human. When our own visions for what it means to be human seem far more compelling at times. Choosing to actively love God is a practice of trust when his love at times feels far away. Choosing to actively love our neighbor and our enemies is a practice of trusting God when vengeance and selfishness taste like candy in comparison to loving our neighbor and enemy. And so I love that the mother of the Son of God was someone who apprehensively trusted God. Because that's me a lot of times too. And it's you guys, if you're going to be honest with yourselves. God is inviting us to trust him, not have this perfect, strong, will-powered faith. And I, I, that's the Advent story. God is inviting the world to trust in something seemingly small and seemingly insignificant. And so that's, that's, that's how the Christmas story starts from Mary's perspective. Her letting us know that God was the one doing this. This was part of his long-held plan for the salvation of Israel and the world. Her letting us know that God came to Nazareth and he had a name for his son already, which is Yahweh, is salvation. And, and even her story involved an apprehensive trusting of God. And so may we... See the beauty of God from Mary's perspective this Christmas. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gospel of Luke. Thank you for these birth stories. Thank you for this birth announcement. Thank you for how you worked this all out. God, it's amazing uh, what, you've, what you've done. It is uh, not how I think any of us would have done it. It's humble, it's meek, 
Some might even say it's weak. But God, in even your weakness, it's, it's far stronger than anything we could do. And so God, this Christmas season, as we look at the, at the Christmas story from Mary's perspective, I just ask that, that we would see the things that you want us to see. This morning, God, if there's things that you want to press upon our hearts, I, I ask that you press those things. God, even for us, we're, we, as we see her trusting faith, God, may we have a trusting faith in here. I think too often we have like a willpower-driven faith in here. And I, God, I think you're inviting us into something much more relational where we just entrust ourselves to you. And so God, for those of us in here where that's difficult, I ask that your spirit uh, would do something to make that less difficult. And then God, stir something in all of us to worship you, worship your ways, worship your son, because your son's name means Yahweh is salvation, and we need that salvation, whether we, whether we believe it or not. So God, we love you and we need you. Amen.